Anonymous, a podcast about gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Anthony. This is Kim. This is Dan. This is Chris. Welcome to episode 15, our 2013 holiday shopping guide. Uh, today we're going to go through some of our favorite games from the last, I don't know, year and a half or so for a variety of categories and different types of gamers in your life. Um, this is kind of a two-parter. The podcast we're going to run through all the games we've got about 50 or 60 games but if you want more information videos links etc hit our website at boardgamersanonymous.com or facebook where i'll be reposting a lot of this and you can get even more information if something sounds good and you want to pick it up so we have gone through our reviews we've talked to people at the store at myriad and we've created a list of what we think are some of the best games have come out in the last year or so in a variety of categories. All right, so real quick before we get started, we should talk about where you can actually get these games. If you're not an avid board gamer and don't spend all your time at Myriad or a store like it, like we do, there are, it might not seem easy to find them because you're not going to find these games necessarily in the mall, but there are a few retailers that carry quite a few designer board games as well as a couple online sites that you can check out. So one of the places you first want to take a look at is Barnes & Noble. They actually have a large selection of designer board games. So usually just past the calendar section and the gift section, there's actually usually a pretty good selection of designer board games. And oftentimes when there is a sale or a clearance, you can actually find some of those games in that collection. So if you're a board gamer or if you have family members or friends who are board gamers, definitely check out Barnes & Noble. Um, the coupons usually are usable for board games as well. And uh, they usually have everything in stock. So whether you go online or you go in the store, it's a good a good time to pick up some things there as well. And you mentioned that clearance, and sometimes their prices are like blowout discount. Like you'll be shocked as to how low you'll see like forty and fifty dollar games for like twelve dollars sometimes on clearance. Yeah, they go straight to fifty percent off, which is immediately online price. And if you have a card, you know that's sixty percent off. Then they go to seventy five percent off. Yeah. Sometimes they go down to two bucks. I heard a couple of people on Board Game Geek got a. Uh, Lords of Waterdeep for two bucks like Jeez. six months ago. I know, which is an outrage yeah. that they were able to sit around that long, but it's amazing. But that's the thing, too. Since it's a bookstore, they don't really understand the value of the games. So if you're checking out Board Game Geek, look at the section where they talk about buying and selling and retail outlets. And once in a while, that there's a notice that pops up there for Barnes & Noble, so you definitely want to check that out, especially with the holiday season coming up. It's really a good place to get those games. And especially for... A gamer in your life, you know, you can definitely go there and pick up some games, maybe pick up some RPG books, some, you know, medieval fantasy, sci-fi comics, graphic novels. You can put together a really nice gift that way. Another great place to pick up games, which is surprising us all these last couple of weeks, is uh, Target. Um, Target has a um, contract with uh, Geek and Sundry. So if you've ever watched... Um, Tabletop, which is the Will Wheaton show about board games, he broadcasts a whole video of a board game, and you actually get to see step-by-step. So if you go down to Target, not only do you have the traditional Monopoly and Scrabble, but you have a lot of designer board games there as well, and you'll see a little sticker that says Geek and Sundry, kind of like played and approved. Um, You'll actually find some good quality designer games there. So things like X-Wing, um, you'll find Munchkin, you'll find Catan, you'll find Carcassonne, and you'll find some of even of the heavier set games. So it's definitely worth checking out. And once again, Target always does a sale, so it's a good chance to pick up something at a good price. Yeah, definitely. So those are your offline sources. And of course, if you have a friendly local game store in your area, uh, if you're on Staten Island or the area, Myriad Games. And there are hundreds of them around the country, too. So, you know, check Board Game Geek, there's a list there, or, you and know, hit up Google Maps. 
You can also do meetup if you're having problems finding local game stores. Look around for some local gaming groups and see what they suggest, too. That's always a good option. Yeah, meetup.com is a great resource for your local games. And like Dan was saying, gamers are a big, fun, social group of people. You just go up onto any of those sites and just ask a question, where can I pick things up? And usually people are jumping right out to help you. So... Um, and also Board Game Geek. Like we talked about, you could find the deals there for Barnes & Noble, but a whole bunch of stores. And uh, obviously eBay is always a good resource too. But also back to what Anthony said, your local game store, while the prices are going to be the retail prices, you might find a game there that you won't find online because it might be sold out. So definitely check those out as well. Yeah, plus you can get help from the owners of the store because they know what they're talking about. And online you're going to be... You know, kind of on your own. If you're going to Barnes and Noble, you're not going to necessarily find somebody who can help you out there. Um, you might get lucky, but if you're in a friendly local game store, presumably the person who runs the store, some of the employees there, can point you to the game you're looking for. Or even gamers. Like most game stores have tables in the back, so if you see people playing games and you're not sure about what you're picking up or you have a question about it, take the take the board game to the back and say, "Hey, has anyone ever played this?" And usually you'll have people kind of spring up and help you. We're always trying to add to the hobby, and we're really grateful for that. Yeah. And, of course, last but not least, there is online, where you're going to find pretty much anything that's in print for anything. Um, our two favorite sites, of course, Miniature Market and Cool Stuff, Inc. Those are the two big ones. There's also Troll and Toad. Um, you know, a lot of people, Amazon prices, you'll find things cheaper than you will on Amazon, but Amazon is beyond convenient. So if you're just looking to pick up one game and you're not particularly caring if you save an extra three or four dollars over this option or or if you just want it that next day like you know for that over 25 dollar deal you know that's always a viable option too yeah the only thing about amazon is sometimes they don't have stuff in stock and it'll seem like they do because maybe a third party selling it and you won't get the free shipping or maybe you're paying a bit more even than you should yeah i mean if you should try to spend the time just to compare it to at least one other site because you'll be like, oh, this is great, they have it, and then you'll see that it was $20 cheaper somewhere else. Yeah, and you know? I've seen people list the retail prices on Amazon higher than they actually are. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of let my guide be, you know, how badly do I want it and versus how much I'm saving. You know, if I'm only saving 5 bucks, if I do it the other way, but i got to wait 7 days shipping, all right, whatever. But, you know, when you go on Cool Stuff and you see that game is $33, and then you go on Amazon and it's 64 Sure. <laughs> and if you haven't picked up games online, the price difference is dramatic. Yeah. So if you check in with Miniature Market or you're checking with Cool Stuff Inc., you should have an idea what the price is, but obviously pick it up however you need to pick it up, whether it's local, Amazon, or the massive discount dealers. So any of these games we have on the list for you today, we're going to have a link on the website to uh, multiples of these websites so you can uh, check them out, along with the prices, so you can take a closer look. All right, so without further ado, our 2013 Holiday Shopping Guide. Woohoo! First up, Fantasy Games. All right, so Fantasy Games are the greatest gift for your friends that are into, like, Lords of the Ring, the people that you know that play D&D, the, character, the people you know that always has, like, their character that's that elven wizard on their notebook or sketches out dwarves and such and they're you know in their spare time when they're doodling on the phone and whatnot so these games are definitely the ones for them and to kick off this list i'm going to give my favorite game hands down descent 2.0 there's nothing better than doing a dungeon crawl with your friends and descent lets you team up with three others against one other person who will be the overlord personally my favorite role trying to crush out a hero group is always a pretty good time in my book and this game lets you do it in spades between a modular board that adventure guide 
the different classes and expansions coming out left and right, and those lieutenant packs on the way, you can't go wrong with Descent for any of your dungeon crawling friends. If you used to like D&D back in the day, this is the ultimate throwback for you. Also, if you're a fan of, if you're a fan of D&D, Lords of Waterdeep would be a really good game for you. The Scoundrels of Skullport expansion came out recently. It adds new quests, new leaders, and corruption. Which I personally love because it's like making a deal with the devil. It's fantastic, yeah. And the game has a good cross, you know, brings in all that D&D lore that you know, but it's a good, solid entry-level Euro game, too. Yeah, I mean, it's like a lot of solid fundamentals of worker placement. You get to feel like a leader of each of those factions. It's a very good game. Especially if you heard that it wasn't heavy enough, this definitely adds a lot more weight to the game. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I love... they got to do more expansions like this. You get two boards, two options. You can use one or both. I love that idea. This is, like, one of the best expansions I've seen in years. Yeah. So if you know somebody who's into role-playing and wants to get into board games, this is a great place to start. If you know somebody who's into board games and you want to get them more into role-playing, also a great place to start. Now, one other is, uh, you know, a lot of people, like, when you mention D&D, they're like, oh, well, I prefer Pathfinder. I'm a Pathfinder kind of guy. Well, they even got a game out for them now. Besides the classic Pathfinder, which, you know, you need the DM and the usual, they have the Pathfinder card game. Even though I wasn't super into it, a couple of people I know like it a lot because it gives that feel of taking on a dungeon or going after an enemy. And they have those, like, chapter packs almost coming out every month or so. So the adventure keeps on going and going. Now, the thing is this. If you get this game, don't cheat. If your guy dies, your guy dies. Everyone ignores that. That is a very important part of the game. Yes. So <laughs> this is a great cross between uh, card games, as deck builders, LCG type models, and role playing game. It actually brings in those role playing elements. It's not a hard, you know, hardcore role playing game. It's not Pathfinder if that's what you're looking for. But it brings in those elements, which I think is another great way to marry the two of those. Absolutely. Another great game if you're a D&D fan is Lost Legends. This is a new game that was recently released by Mike Elliott. So if you've ever played Seven Wonders before and you like that card drafting opportunity, this is a great game for you. You start out with a fantasy character and you'll be fighting monsters as they come up on the board. And as you go around, you'll get a chance to kind of build your character up with weapons, with skills, magic and abilities. And at the same time, you have to watch out what everybody else is doing because you might be passing along the equipment that the other heroes might need to beat the, the villain or the monster first. Great artwork, nice boards, really good entry kind of level game too if you want to kind of get your feet wet either in the card drafting or the D&D world. It's definitely something to check out. So I actually read an article about the designer of Lost Legend that how his D&D groups back in the day... They weren't all like you know team friendly, friendly and happy, happy together. Like there's good and evil together. So there was always like mistrust and everyone trying to outdo each other. And he made sure that shined through in this game. All the more reason why I want to play it because that was like every D and D group I had when I was in high school, man. You know, it's like oh, you're gonna be a paladin. Oh, I'm gonna be a lawful evil thief. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. So that definitely sounds really, really cool. And the drafting mechanic is awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I definitely want to check that out still. And one last game on the fantasy category is, of course, the Game of Thrones living card game. This, we've talked about it a lot. We have a long feature review on early episode of the podcast. And then there are chapter packs coming out every month. So if you've not played the game, you can pick it up for you or a loved one or a friend. If you have played the game, or if you know somebody who does, there are dozens of chapter packs. And unless they're a hardcore tournament player, they probably don't have all of them. So those are great stocking stuffers. You can pick one of those up. 
Yeah, and it's not too bad. If you give it, pick up the base game, you're going to get four houses, the coins, the board, and everything else. That goes for about 40 bucks. And they also have house packs that are 30 apiece. So no matter what your friend likes, you know, if they're a fan of the Starks, if they're, you know, into the, the Greyjoys or the greatest house of all, Lannisters, grab one of those, and it gives a lot of great cards to add to that house, and it makes it a, totally changes the game around. So it's always a great pick. We just want to kind of give you a little little warning, a little heads up that there's also the HBO version, Game of Thrones, a card game, and it's not really what you should be looking at because it's really a really basic kind of model that you don't have an opportunity to get expansions for. Look for the living card game. Really a much better value, and you'll really enjoy it a lot more. Yeah, and that's from Fantasy Flight Games. Yeah, like the only reason to pick up the HBO one is if your friend super, super, super likes the HBO show and doesn't understand that there was books before it, because if they see that art from the books, they're like, I don't understand. Why, why doesn't Cersei look right? Or, you know, what, Tyrion looks different. That's not how he looks on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they're, if they're, your friend is, like, only into that, then, yeah, go for the HBO. Because you'll find that cheap because, man, it's not a good pick. But definitely mm-hmm. not the same quality game. Yeah. But if you yeah. ever want to play past it, sure, you got to go straight for the, uh, the Fantasy Flight. There's no other option. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a good entry-level price. It's a good gift price. Or in our circle, we also like to call it the game of Chris, because we have yet to beat him. (laughs) Winter's coming. (laughs) All right, so those are our top picks for fantasy games in 2013 for gifts. Next up, sci-fi games. Top science fiction games of 2013. So whether it's Star Trek, Star Wars, Battlestar Galactica, or some vast universe out there, there is a sci-fi board game there out there for you. So leave the consoles behind, leave the PC, and check out some of these great board games. They have a lot of the qualities, the sculpts, the figures, and the lore that goes into these games. Um, One of the first games I want to talk about is Star Trek Attack Wing. And we talked about this a little bit before, and you can hear our previous review where we did Attack Wing and X-Wing miniatures, but absolutely amazing miniatures. So if you have somebody in your family or a friend who really likes Star Trek or Star Wars and is really into the models, these are great models to pick up. You can put them on the stand, never play with them, but put them on a shelf, and they're really worth displaying. Um, this year came out with the second wave, so you got to see Slave One, Boba Fett's ship, and also the Millennium Falcon. So really high-quality sculpts, and the gameplay is great. So this is a nice game if you've never gotten to miniatures before and always wanted to take those little ships, fly them around a little bit, and see what it's like to play as part of those universes. And best point, no painting. Absolutely. High quality, no painting, you can't beat it. Fantasy Flight for X-Wing, and then Kids for Attack Wing. Um, Space Cadets Dice Duel. Now, this one we have yet to break out. But the previous Space Cadets game is awesome. It's a series of mini-games, and everyone's racing to do their job while everyone else is trying to finish them, but you keep looking over and see what they're doing. The dice tool shortens it out where you're each just rolling from different sets of dice. So it makes the game go a little faster, it's a little easier to manage, and anywhere you go, people are raving about this game. We're still actually waiting to get our hands on a copy, but cannot wait to check this one out. Yeah, this is definitely a game, though, you want to have somebody who's kind of overseeing it, running the whole thing. So if you're buying this for somebody in your life, hopefully they have a gaming group already, or you're buying it for a group of people. Because just playing it by themselves or with people who haven't played these kind of games before, it might be a little much because of the number of things going on at once in the game. Yeah, it's good for like about six or seven players if you want to use a moderator. 
Um, if you guys have a slightly smaller gaming group, you're looking for maybe something a little more along the one-on-one line, then my recommendation, War Machine High Command. It's a deck builder that has a lot of battle elements, which is not usual for deck builders. Usually it's you're neutrally going for things and trying to outbuy one another. In this game, you're aggressively attacking the cities to lock them down. The other part that I like about this game is the art is high quality, and the first expansion is coming out this December, so you can always throw that in as a stocking stuffer. And there's a lot of choices and a lot of options. It's a really fun game. Another great two-player game that can kind of scale up to more players is Nurushima Hex. And Z-Man Games has just released the version 2.0. It has a few more things in the box. It has more uh, scenarios to play. It has another faction. But it's a great two-player game. If you're not sure about it, if you're not sure if it's a good fit, it's kind of this post-apocalyptic feel to it. There is an app for the iPad you can download for free just to run through it and see if it's a good fit for whoever you're thinking of for your next gift. Um, but it is a really solid two-player game that can scale up and play three or four players as well. So to go along with all the recent sci-fi that's out there and the great board games, there's also the classic 50s B-movie board games too, like Conquest for Planet Earth Apocalypse D- Edition. So with the Apocalypse Edition, you actually get additional armies to fight, you get the Navy, you get new figures, you get new alien technology. It's really a great game if you like those old B-movie villains and with the big rubber heads and you know those old Twilight Zone black and white or Godzilla-type monsters. It's a lot of fun, it's quick, it's easy, it's a co-op but also can play individually. So not unlike those co-op games where it's like, it's co-op, but I can also win. This is literally either it's A, a co-op, and you're playing together, or B, you're playing individual, and you're attacking each other, trying to take over Earth. A lot of fun, good game, check it out. It's from Flying Frog Games. Awesome, so those are our top picks for sci-fi games this year on our gift list. Next up, best games for video gamers. All right, so top games for video gamers in your life. Alright, so this holiday season, you might be wanting the Xbox One, you might want that PS4. Those things are crazy money, and there's no good games for those yet. (laughs) You gotta wait a year or two. But there's a lot of great board game options. One of those options is the Bioshock Siege of Columbia. If you're a fan of the Bioshock video games, uh, this game might probably pique your interest. It's worth a shot to play. It's very interesting if you're familiar with all the characters... Booker and Elizabeth. Comstock. Daisy Fitzroy. There's a lot of good ones in that game. Yes, this game's great for two to four players. It's a little long, but if you know somebody who's into board games, who likes those kind of uh, combative-style games with a lot of area control, or if you just like video games and you want something challenging that's not on a TV, this might be a good one for you. Yeah, it's definitely a pretty sweet game. And definitely fits the experience of the game, so... If, you're, if you want to kind of capture that video game world, this would be a great shot for you. And a bonus point, nice little miniatures. Absolutely. I mean, they're tiny, tiny, but they're pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, another game that's not based necessarily on a video game, but definitely evokes feelings of a video game, is Boss Monster. Uh, this one came out just this year. It was a Kickstarter, but it's become very popular. And it's, it's very affordable. It's very quick to play. It's very easy to pick up. And it's styled after old-school NES 8-bit Nintendo games. Um, you're basically building a dungeon and trying to kill off the heroes that would, in a video game, kill those bosses. Yeah, and I mean, I challenge anyone out there to play this game and not have some fun if you grew up in that 8-bit Nintendo era. 
yeah, this is a perfect gift if you if you're dating somebody or married to somebody or you have kids or parents, whoever that grew up playing old school Nintendo games, Sega games, any of that eight bit stuff that just side scrolling adventure style fun. Anyone you know that ever had the argument about the merits of Super Mario 3 versus the first Super Mario Brothers? Those types of people. Perfect choice of game for them, too. <laughs> the never-ending argument. <laughs> Alright, so one other thing is, you'll notice in any video game you bought in the last two years, zombies. Zombies are in every video game now. Well, now you get to have board games that have zombies everywhere, like Zombicide. Zombicide's very much like a video game. Uh, it's basically a co-op. You're trying to defeat zombies on this giant board it's a modular board you lay it out and you're trying to defeat various uh, situations there are i don't know how many expansions there are now three i believe but this game originally kickstarted but it's been just on a roll in the last year or so it seems like what a hundred different zombies at least dozens and dozens of minis come in that box yes yeah. so i mean you want that kind of experience when you're playing a video game of being like swarmed by hordes and hordes do yourself a favor. Go on Board Game Geek. Look at some of these pictures. Even if you're just a, a video game player, you're going to be amazed at all these miniatures out on the board and all the different characters. It really is a sight to see. And it plays very simple. So if you're not you know, a traditional board gamer, you can definitely get into this game and get a lot of fun out of it. Yeah, like, as soon as I saw it being played, like, Left 4 Dead and Dead Island popped into my head because the characters... What I like in this game is not everyone's the same person. Everyone has different stats. And it even has, like, a level-up mechanic where each person is going to progress differently than the others, too. So it's stylized and a lot of fun. It has a huge replayability factor, too. Yeah, absolutely. And it can be very quick and easy, or it can be very long and very arduous, depending on how hard you set the difficulty, which is pretty cool, just like a video game. Now, one other choice is, you know, SimCity. I want to still get that game for the computer. I just want to wait until it's actually finished and totally patched out. So I'll probably get it in 2040. But in the meanwhile, we got Suburbia, which is an even better option. Suburbia is a basically it's a tile laying game. You can build your own city, and you're going to be putting down all sorts of stuff like airports and manufacturing plants and restaurants and residences and schools and you name it. Basically, anything that be in a city, it's there. Um, every tile has some effect on the scoring, and then you build out your city till you know the end of the game and see who has the most population. Yeah, I mean, just like SimCity, you're building schools, airports, seaports, residential, commercial, industrial. A lot of fun, massive replayability, and even better, Suburbia Inc. is supposed to be coming out towards end of November, early December. And if they don't have it out by then, I am going to lose my mind. <laughs> this thing can't be pushed back anymore. Put it out! <laughs> yeah, that's going to come in a bag, so it's actually probably pretty good to stuff in a stocking. Oh, yeah. If you know somebody already has Suburbia. By the way, that's a subtle hint, Kim. <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> All right, so one more game on our list for this category is Arkham Origins, the uh, Heroclix set. And really, Heroclix in general is great for any video game player, uh, especially if they like those kind of strategy RTS-style games like Disgaea. Or... Yeah, Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, La Placeal Tactics, basically anything by NIS and a few of those other turn-based games. I only got into it recently, but I noticed that it really does give you that ultimate feeling of like the standard turn-based strategy games, like a lot of things on the DS, like Advance Wars and the other ones. Heroclix is a lot of fun. Arkham Origin sculpts are amazing. Even if you are not into Heroclix, if you know somebody that loves the most recent Batman game, these sculpts are amazing, and you can just pick up a couple of boosters and surprise them with some random figures. Yeah, they look awesome. All right, so that's all our stuff for video game lovers. And really, anything on this list would be great for anybody who loves to play video games. But these are kind of some of the more thematic of the list. 
So, top stocking stuffer games of 2013. Alright, so these are the little games you can stuff in a stocking. Something affordable, $10, $15, $20. Fits nice and easily in there. You can wrap it up or hand it out to somebody for a secret Santa. Um, these are very accessible, quick, easy to play games, and some of our favorites at the table recently. So probably one of my favorites at the top of the list is Dungeon Roll, which we reviewed a couple episodes ago. So it's a very simple dice game. If you've played Zombie Dice, Martian Dice, any of those kind of games, it's basically that kind of game, except with a cool extra level up mechanic and experience points that will affect the scoring. Um, I believe it's $20, and you can basically playing about 15 minutes and it plays more than two players which is awesome so it's a perfect game for you know if you like to play games and you're trying to get people in your family into it or if you know you have a teenager or a younger child that you want to get into board games or just quick dice games it's a great one yeah i mean play, like you were saying it's only about like 10 to 15 minutes per player so i mean you can have three or four people shoot out a couple of rounds in this in like about an hour or two one of the other best parts is they recently released a hero upgrade pack where there's additional heroes so if they have fun with this, there's always a little something else you can add on that's dirt cheap. And the best part comes in that little cardboard chest. So it has a little nice aesthetic to it, too. Now, one thing you can't go wrong with is, if you know anyone that plays Magic, booster packs. They can have every card in the world. Booster packs give them stuff to trade. Yep, and they have a pretty cool-looking holiday gift boxes here, too. Yeah, the holiday packs just came out. They will probably be moving pretty fast, so if you're thinking about getting somebody one of those, just go out and do it, because once those things blow out, you're not going to see them again for this set. Yeah, and you can find Magic cards anywhere. They're at Barnes & Noble, they're at Target, they're at pretty much any department store. They're online, so it's big stuff, and the new set's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Theros is definitely one of the coolest things in a long time in that game. It's actually it's interesting enough that it's getting me back into it. Yeah. <laughs> Another great game, especially for stocking stuffers, is um, Love Letter. So why not show a little love to your friends and family and pick up this really quick, easy micro card game that's just blowing up everywhere. I don't think there's a game store that doesn't have multiple copies of this somewhere out, and everyone's playing it. So small deck of cards, anyone can play it really fun and simple and you get this really nice love letter pouch there's a little kind of um silky satin kind of pouch or you could pick up the japanese version which comes in a little larger box but it has a different art style to it as well so pick up one pick up both it's both a lot of fun yeah, i would say if you pick up the one with the pouch actually take it out of the plastic box if you put it in the stocking stuffer it's a much cooler presentation sure. for someone to open up yeah absolutely and it's what under 10 bucks you can i guess 12 dollars retail but you can get it online for nine yeah. Uh, another game that's really popular lately, I've seen it out a lot, is Hanabi. And this actually won the Spiel des in Germany, which is the big annual board game award. Um, it's People are calling it basically the entry-level co-op game. So if you're trying to get people into that style of co-op where the, you're actually playing against the game, this is a great entry level for that. It's very unique from other card games, so it's not going to be like what you expect because you're, not, you're never actually looking at your own cards. But it is the kind of game that you can have a lot of fun with if you're not being a super serious group or if you're at a party or you're just trying to play something real quick so if you know people who like various kinds of card games and are looking for something new it's a great game for them another great game that came out this year is called the duke the duke is a really interesting two-player game it has a lot of elements to chess and some interesting kind of deck building elements so the game starts you have your kind of your king and you have your two pawns that are set out and you're able to either move your piece and when you move your piece, the template for the movement's actually on its piece, the piece itself, which is tremendous. And then once your piece moves, it flips. 
and then there's a second set of movements that that piece can move. Or you can go to your bag and pull out a tile to place somewhere adjacent to your other pieces. This is a lot of fun, really quick, really simple to play, and it does definitely scratches that abstract strategy itch. Yeah, and you know the game itself is a little big, maybe it won't fit quite in the stocking, but they have these great expansion packs that come in these little baggies that are thematic to literature. So there's the Three Musketeers pack, there's the Arthurian Legends pack, there's the Robert E. Howard pack with Conan. So these are really great ways to expand the game. And honestly, this is a great game for anybody who likes board games, uh, but maybe plays things, a little more classic games like chess, likes that strategy element, the one-on-one, and especially if they're literature buffs, because you can get these expansions and really grow how the game plays. And for if your friends are a bit creative and they like this game, those blank ones that let you create your own tiles are the best. The blank tiles are fantastic, and there are expansions to buy extra blank tiles, which is very cool. Yeah, I'll start playing this game as soon as you make me in it. Yeah, <laughs> the damn tile. I like it. For everyone who is familiar with the Ascension sets, they now have the Ascension Apprentice Edition. It's a two-player game. Uh, works the same way as a regular Ascension. The only difference I would have to say is the artwork, which actually I think they improved it. A lot of people have been saying that it's it's worse than the original Ascension, but I like how it's it has that dark feel to it because you're just the whole, the whole point of the game is you're just fighting these demons basically these monsters so um, this is a really good game to get for uh, for people who are into the deck builders uh, if you want your girlfriend to get into it I particularly recommend this because this is a this is a really good uh, easy break-in game. Yeah, and I mean, even if your friends are into magic, this is something that can give them a little bit of that magic itch, because it kind of appeals to that drafting mechanic, and it gives them like a little something else with that same fantasy element. It might be something to finally break the hole that wizards will have on them. Yeah, definitely. And it's great, because the big full expansion, or big full box for Ascension is like 40 bucks, and this is, what, 10 Yeah. So it's very accessible. I mean, just like the rest of these stocking stuff for games, they're great, they're affordable, they're easy and quick, and they're a perfect game to pull out Christmas morning and to share with everybody. All right, so top games for kids and teens in 2013. So these are games that we feel are accessible for adults, but as well, the children, teenagers, you know, your, your younger family members who maybe are either don't have the patience for some of these longer, bigger games or just aren't quite ready to play them yet. Um, but not necessarily kids' games either because we know that adults, especially parents, maybe get a little tired of playing Shoots and Ladders and Monopoly and the Game of Life over and over again. So these are some alternatives to those to put under the tree this year. All right, so first on that list is Castellan. It's the newest Steve Jackson game. It is basically Dots, if you've ever played Dots, but everything is 3D. You have little pieces of castle. Uh, You have your own little forts that you put inside the spaces when you create them. And the game's very modular. You play it out differently every time. A couple decks of cards. Probably takes five minutes to teach the game. Perfect for anybody in that younger age group. Maybe doesn't have the patience for a longer game. There's also the international edition. If you want to play four players, if you want to play something more than two players. So it's a great, very easy to get entry level Steve Jackson game. And if for some reason you can't find the international version of it, 
Um, it's just the little castles are yellow and green. So if you picked up another red and blue pack, if you could just color those or put a sticker on those. But this is a great game for teens and kids because the pieces are really good quality plastic. Um, the cards are pretty nice and big, large. Really not not really hard to, to play, you know, not hard to teach at all. And it's actually a lot of fun. They, they really work well together. Relatively small box, um, nothing super small, yeah. so it's not super dangerous or anything. If you lose pieces, it could become a problem, so you yeah. definitely want to keep an eye on things. But otherwise, it's a great game for kids. So Forbidden Desert is a great game to bring everyone at the table together because you're going to be working as a team instead of going adversarial. What I like about it is it has a lot of moving parts. Every time those um, threat cards are turned over, the board's going to be shifting around, you're going to be adding sands, you're trying to match things up to see when you find the pieces of the ship. So it keeps all eyes on the table, and everyone starts to get anxious and excited as you get closer and closer, but those threats just keep getting higher and higher. It's a really fun game. Me and Kim have been having a blast with this game. And like I said, when you break it out, it's a great way to make sure the kids get involved. They're going to be getting amped up. They're going to be excited when you guys actually escape and get away. I would definitely recommend that one as a top pick. Yeah, it's definitely a nice gift game because it comes in that great tin. The pieces are nice and bold and colorful. The tiles are really good quality. So just put, just slap a bow on this, bring this to someone's house, and be like, hey, let's play Forbidden Desert. It's yeah. a really great time. Yeah, and an even smaller, even more accessible entry-level version would be Forbidden Island, which is even a little simpler. So if you have younger children, maybe, and you want to you know, ease them into that co-op idea, uh, Forbidden Island is a great alternative, too. Spotted is a game that works out really well for little kids, too. Every disc has ten different images on it, and at least one of those images is on every other card. So it's basically a simple, like, you know, spotted game where it's like, oh, I, you know, do, which of these two to go together? He'll see the B on each card. It's great with little kids because, you know, you can always just do it where you're guessing, trying to find it, and they get to point it out. Helps, like, a lot of those cognitive skills, and it's really fun. Like, you'll find the little ones getting excited when they beat you to the punch finding the match before you do yeah, and it comes in many many variants this is a very popular game the last year since it came out and they've reskinned it in at least a dozen different ways so whatever yeah. your kids are into there's probably a version of spot it for that yeah it's like sports animals or anything they haven't had a transformers one yet so i'm a little disappointed it's coming man it's coming i can only hope yeah <laughs> uh, another one that's been really popular at our store of all places is <laughs> it's talk talk woodman but in the u.s you might find it as click clack lumberjack Really depends on where you're looking. Um, in your friendly local game store, you might find either of those games, but it's basically the same thing. All right, so it's basically a stack of a bunch of different pieces of lumber. You're going to hit it with these plastic axes uh, every time, and as the bark falls off, you gain points. If grubs fall out too, you gain extra points. If you knock off the rest of the the inner core of the tree, you lose points. So it's it's very simple, it's very easy, it's very quick to play, and kids will have a blast because they get to hit things with plastic axes. Um, of course, if they hit too hard, they're going to lose points, but you know, they'll get the idea pretty quickly. So it's a great kid's game, and it's something that adults will have fun playing too. And this is one of these dexterity games, so we don't hear a lot about these games, but actually has a nice little complexity, a lot of fun, and, and we play this at Extra Life. We actually played three versions of this at the same time, and it's just kind of fun and wacky. Carolina Timeline is a good game for kids and teens also. Not only is it a really cool card game, but it's also very educational. It helps with kids learning when certain historical events occur. With Carline, instead of historical events or invention, you can have the kids determine whether the hippo is 
weighs more than the lion, or if a cheetah is faster than an eagle. So it's very simple, easy to learn, and it's a really good, good card game for kids. All right, so those are five great games for your kids and teens that will not drive you insane as a parent, um, that, but they'll actually have a lot of fun playing, even if they have those shorter attention spans. So here are some top games for non-gamers, people who do not necessarily play board games all the time and won't have that wealth of knowledge of different kinds of game mechanics uh, right when they jump on board with these new games. Um, these are all games we've reviewed or played recently, and um, we enjoy them quite a bit, and we use them to bring new people into the hobby all the time. So one of my top picks is Masquerade. Masquerade might look a little complex because it has like chits that all show a little symbology, but basically everyone has a simple role, and the more people you have, the more roles. In the beginning, people get a little confused when they see the game, but as everyone starts to guess as to who's who and pretending that there's someone else, People just start laughing, having a blast. Those little coins look really cool on the table, so people have fun taking each other's money. I mean, it's a game that, like I said, once you start this game rolling, people are going to be cracking up, and as soon as somebody wins, you're going to hear, again, again! So that's always a great thing for the holidays. Yeah, I love this game. And it's perfect for larger groups, too, which is around the holiday time, you know, you're always going to be around family or friends. So it's fantastic for that. Another great game is King of Tokyo. King of Tokyo is great for a lot of reasons, especially since the basic mechanic is Yahtzee. So when you break this game out, it looks a little complex, but you, you say to everybody, have you ever played Yahtzee before? It's just basically rolling dice. And once they get that basic mechanic down, which is just rolling the dice three times, a lot of fun is happening. And you get these really nice cardboard standees of different monsters. You get some action cards and ability cards. So it's a lot of fun, very simple, very quick to play. You can play a small group of people, three or four, or up to five or six people, and then there's a lot of expansions to it, too. Mice and Mystics is a very light D&D type of game. Uh, it's, a very, it's a very good game also to play with your kids. It's very light. Um, it's easy to learn, and the miniatures are actually really amazing what they do with it. Yeah, if you're a, a big board gamer or you play a lot of dungeon crawlers or role-playing games and you want to get your kids into it or your spouse and you're not sure they're going to be in for something like Descent, Mice and Mystics is fantastic because it doesn't play down those elements. It doesn't dumb them down at all, but it makes everything very accessible, very fun to look at. The story is very fun. It's very, you know, you know if you've ever read those Redwall books, you know, kids read those all the time. It's that kind of theme and feel, and it's very quick and easy the first couple chapters maybe take an hour to play so it's perfect kind of game for non-gamers getting into dungeon crawl now anthony when i got guild of catalan you told me that you wanted to make sure i definitely ordered you one on my next order what made it stand out to you guild of catalan is fantastic because it takes it's another one of those games that takes like what five minutes to teach somebody how to play oh yeah so you lay out the cards you drop the people in the districts you pull up the cards maybe you know go through that six seven times score the game you're done and in the process, you're teaching three or four new mechanics. So if you're trying to show somebody how to play you know, these designer games or get them into the whole theme of it, um, this is a great way to do it. And the world inside the game and the artwork on the cards and everything, it's going to show somebody who's never played these kind of games what they can do in a small package that's not overwhelming. Yeah, and like once people start placing down those little miniature guys, their little agents, and playing those cards... They're going to catch on really quick, and again, this is one of those games that goes by quick. So as soon as the game over, people are going to look at that clock and go, Hey, can we get another one in? 
It's always good for a fun night. Now, one of the last op- options that we have on our list is Bruges. I love this game to death. We've introduced it to a lot of people that have been non-traditional gamers. And the learning curve on this game is so simple. No matter what you do, it's the right thing. You're going to be building up your cities, getting people, building canals, going up in reputation. And it plays out very, very easy. It's very quick to teach, very quick to play. And the best thing in the world is there's tons of choices. So people are going to get really interested, really involved. They're going to want to see what they can end up drawing on their next game. It's, it's something that people are going to come back to the table for. Yeah, if you want to get people into Euro games and you don't want to overwhelm them right away, but you want to keep them, give them a lot of options, let them play, and have a lot of theme in the game, this is a great one. All right, so those are some of our favorite games for non-gamers. Now, next up is games you can play with your family. Uh, these are kind of games that are good for the entire family getting around the table, maybe some older kids or your parents even. Um, very accessible games, but also with a lot of theme and style and energy to them. I think Garden Dice is a really good game for your families to play. It's a simple tile placement game where you basically grow vegetables. You roll dice with wooden dice, I might add, because I think that's like really cool that they actually have wooden dice for a board game. You roll dice and you pick the seeds that you want to buy with them. You place them down on the tile. You can water them. You can steal other people's seeds. You can have rabbits or birds eat them. It's pretty cool. Uh, I think that's a really good family-friendly game to play. Yeah, I mean, the art is, like, really, really cutesy. And even your player markers, they're all different types of bugs, like bees and ladybugs and everything. So, I mean, you can easily see your folks, like, playing this game. It's nice and simple. It's, again, like, the time isn't too long, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's not overwhelming at all. Yeah, uh, another one that we really like, I really like personally is Smash Up. And it's a game that if you look at first off, you're, you're going to think it's a little over the top, but the game's actually pretty well constructed. Um, you get a bunch of decks with different themes like pirates and bears and ghosts. zombies and ghosts. You take two of them, you mash them together, and then you play against each other trying to take over certain locations. It's really lighthearted. It's not the kind of game you're going to play too hardcore or you know try to take each other out, even if it is technically combative. you got to have fun with it. you got to be silly, and that's perfect for families. And what's really great about this game is a lot of the a lot of the card games, especially the deck builders, are a little daunting first. You open the box and you see stacks and stacks of cards, and there's these really complex strategies that you should be employing in order to win the game. Smash Up is basically you get your hand of cards, you play one action, you play one minion, and if the card happens to have text that lets you do a little bit more, that's great. But if not, you're just playing those two cards on a base and you're done. Moves along to the next player. And it's a lot of fun, really quick. First person of 15 victory points wins. Um, one thing, play with four players. There might be a tendency to play with five or six players. It bogs down a little bit. But if you stay with a small number of players, this game's a lot of fun. And the best part, they have pirates. Arr! Yeah. <laughs> no, bear cavalry. <laughs> In Soviet Russia, bad rides you. <laughs> All right, and the game we reviewed last week, Star Trek Catan. That's a great game for families. Um, I would say Catan is a great game for families in general, if, especially if you're the game you're used to playing as Monopoly. It's shorter, it's less brutal, and it's easier to complete without somebody leaving the table early. Yeah, you're not screaming in Grandma's face. <laughs> exactly, and there's a little bit of strategy to it. It's not just dice, dice, dice. But there are dice, so it's accessible for people who don't want to think too much you know, after a big dinner. Um, but this one is 
got Star Trek too, and Star Trek's kind of hot right now with the new movies and everything coming out. So, you know, if people in the family like sci-fi, if they like the Star Trek movies, then this is a great one for you. If not, then pick up the normal Settlers Catan. Another great game is Tokaido. Now, this is a action selection game where you're actually walking the path of Japan. So you you literally start out one end of the board, there's a long line, and you go to the other end. Can't be simpler. So basically what this game is, you're actually going to go towards different spot, spots on the map and take that action. So maybe you'll pick up food, maybe you'll pick up items. It's basically a little tourist adventure along the way. It's a lot of fun, incredibly simple, incredibly obvious what you're supposed to do next, and it's a beautiful board, very serene, very interesting, and a lot of fun. And one last game I want to mention is Suro of the Sea, and this is the uh, second version of Suro, which is a very, very basic game, actually. It's a lot of fun. You just, you're going to lay tiles, and you're going to move your, in this case, you're moving ships, but in the original game, you're moving stones along these paths. And eventually, you're going to start converging with other people's tiles. And if you run into them, then you're both out. If somebody creates a path that knocks you off the board, then you're out. And then the last person on the board wins. Uh, Suro of the Sea adds a couple new rules, so you can make the game a little more complex, plays a few more players. But it's the same idea, and it's a lot of fun that's pretty easy to teach and very accessible for a lot of different types of people. One other game I think that's great for families, Rune Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you have the right family, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's a fair recommendation. <laughs> We're going to get some angry emails in about three months. You can't help, man. I just want to play. I think of you guys as family, and I just really want to play that game. There you Aww. go. It's true. <laughs> nothing I want more. Christmas Day. To destroy you all in Rune Wars. <laughs> all right, so those are all the uh, family games that we recommend this year for uh, everybody out there. Next on the list, games for the fighter in your family. These are all pretty much your more hardcore kind of board games for people who play board games regularly. These are more advanced rules. They take a little longer. Some of the games are more intense. Um, if you know somebody who's a hardcore gamer, or if you are yourself and want to share that with somebody, these are the kind of games you're going to want to play, but from two different sides of the coin. Yeah, these games are in particular very adversarial. So you are absolutely attacking a specific individual, or if it's a two-player game, it's just back and forth the entire game. Um, nothing really outside of that, but it's really good if you want to get down and dirty on these games. So starting off, as far as we just talked about for families, uh, nothing personal. So this is a game where you'll be able to pick different mobsters and influence them and get actions, ability, and money in order to control the family. This game has a lot of interaction, and, of course, since you're doing a lot of backstabbing and taking out a lot of the other mobsters, you should remind your family when you start, it's nothing personal. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to hearing the, You said you backed me on it, Grandma! Why didn't you turn on me? <laughs> well, once again, for the fighters in the family. So Grandma would definitely fit. I always said you were weak, and now I'll show it! <laughs> and be gone a bunch of people are going to come home from college with this game for their family just to make that happen it's going to be great <laughs> and their parents are going to be like get out <laughs> hey dad you remember when you didn't buy me that remote control car yeah I'm taking you out <laughs> I told you it'd come for you one day dad now on the flip side a game that's super adorable where you just end up punching the ever loving bejesus out of each other Crossmasters Arena cute little chibi figures Nice little setups with these like three-dimensional trees and boxes, and you have little coins everywhere. 
But ultimately, the goal is to just pummel your opponent into the ground and take him out of the game. What has, at this point, five expansions on the market with two more on the way. And recently on Kickstarter, they have this Frost-style edition out. Crossmasters is going to have a lot of options for your tabletop miniature-style combat, but it has an adorable packaging to it. High-quality components. And the next game is kind of like a miniature game, but it's played with cards. So this is a very easy, quick, probably the most accessible miniature-style game you can play, and it's Summoner Wars. Uh, Summoner Wars is two players uh, playing against each other with pre-made decks of cards. You can customize them a bit, but there are rules on how you do it. There's the same number of cards all the time, so it's not you're not going out and buying the biggest and best cards like you would in Magic. Pretty limited options, and then you make a deck out of it. So it takes only 30 minutes, so it's super accessible if you want to play it real quick with a, with a buddy. Also, there are many factions that you can pick from. You can either be orcs or spellcasters or vampiric people who just want to suck the blood out of everybody. Um... There's a lot of different variety of them. It's really fun, easy, simple, um, but it it's, it, is, it also is a lot of luck. You basically attack with dice rolls. So don't don't feel too bad if you have your summoner out and and you're trying to beat the other player, and all you keep getting is ones and twos because that 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 does happen a lot. Yeah, so when we did our top 10 two-player games, this was number one. So that right there, if you're looking for a good, fantasy-themed, quick, easy-to-play two-player game, this is the one to get. And especially since you can pick out the different factions that fit your different family members. So on the same vein, but with a much larger number of cards to choose from, is Mage Wars. Yeah, Mage Wars brings a little bit more of a brutal-style combat. Players are going to have their own like personal spell books. So it's going to be a little more of an intense one-on-one where it's instead of like light moving around and figuring out, people are going to be trying to pick out that card to respond to what you just did last. So it's a little more cerebral, a lot more options, but it's a very fun game. A lot more variety to it. There's a lot of conditions that can get hit, spell effects that can resolve in different ways, and you're going to be rolling tons of dice in this one too. Yeah. So those are four like very kind of combative games if you're looking for something that's, you know, get down and dirty and just kind of fight each other out. On the flip side are some games for the thinker. Games where you're going to be trying to come up with the best strategy and build your way to victory. And probably one of our top number one games in this category in the last few months really is Spirium. Yeah, Spirium is beyond fun. You're going to be working towards making your own personal engine to just mass-produce your Spirium, and then have your factors refine it, keep snatching away at those victory points, building up your coins, building up your workers. With the fact that the board comes out differently every time, so what you're going to have access to in each round is going to change up, that makes it interesting. The event cards are great. And for the price, you'll find it retail for about 35 bucks. It's hard for us to find a better buy this holiday season. Another game we reviewed recently that I liked a lot, was along these same kind of lines, um, it's Canterbury. And this just hit the stores online, and it's probably trickling into your local game stores. And it's a fantastic, uh, you're building a city together, but it, the scoring is basically you know where you put your stuff and who builds the most and how you upgrade your different components. The game plays out, it looks very uh, intimidating up front, but it's very accessible. It's actually relatively easy to learn how to play. Um, you know, maybe take an hour or two the first time through. But it does demand a lot of 
mental attention in terms of building your strategy. And of course, whoever's scoring the game will be doing a lot of work. Yeah, it's uh, Andrew Parks did a great job in this game. And what's pretty funny is most of the games that you see people playing in game stores, everyone's chatting, talking around. When you see four people around the game of Canterbury, everyone's doing that careful pondering, looking at, well, if I get this, and then he does. <laughs> it is a very cerebral game, but you're highly rewarded for that planning. Terra Mystica recently got re-released by Z-Man Games. Uh, the one thing I know about this game, it is heavy as hell. I just got it in the mail and have yet to open it up, but I want to play it. It is pretty hot this year. It's uh, I know it's selling out pretty quick. It's a heavy. It's a reprint of a very popular old cell, very cerebral, very Euro-style game. So. so, Dan, since this is a reprint, why did you pick it up? What's so great about this game? It has lots of components. Honestly, one of the biggest things is uh, I was looking online. I just saw the hype going around this game, and then, sure enough, three days after it came in our local Myriad, we saw people setting up and playing it. It is incredibly involving. You have multiple tracks, multiple races. Everyone's going for their total point score goal, but like some of the other games we talked, like Amerigo, Bruges, and others, it's all about how you plan on going about it. Very strategic, and a little bit of foresight goes a long way in that game. So it's your typical classic Euro. Oh, yeah. Okay. And speaking about Euros, Amerigo. So Stefan Feld brings in another great game. And if you haven't played a Euro before, or if you want a new fresh take on it, Amerigo might be a great game for you. We, we just reviewed this game. And really, in one particular, what's really dynamic about the game is the cube tower. And Kim loves to drop the cubes, right, Kim? Yeah. It, 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 we, we Last time we played, we... Even though the first player is supposed to drop the cubes, I think everyone's like, I want to do it next, and I want to do it. And then you you really didn't get the chance to do it. Yeah, I was your first, first player, player the whole game, and I never get to drop the cubes. I didn't drop the cubes either. I think Anthony <laughs> dropped the cubes for most of that game. I get to drop the cubes all the time. Because he learned the rules, and whoever learns the rules can drop the cubes. Yeah, that's, a, that's pretty much a good rule. And he kept score, too, so <laughs> he's the backbone. Yeah, I mean, Amerigo, without Cube. a doubt. Cubo. <laughs> America is definitely a great game to give as a gift for somebody. It's even a great game for you to donate your kickstarted copy to your favorite podcast or something like that. And, you know, just saying. <laughs> just, <laughs> just as a random example, if as, you pull that a thin air. Yeah, I, don't I mean, you know, just noting, if there was a podcast that you loved and you really want to show a particular member of them that you really appreciate their insight, you know, something like that. <laughs> just saying. Because I want it. <laughs> <laughs> Another game that's kind of gone underneath the radar is Seasons. Now, Seasons is a great game because, first off, components are amazing. Great artwork, great graphic design, and it has a lot of interesting elements to it. So, first off, you're going to start with some card drafting. Um, the card drafting offers a lot of different paths to victory, kind of like what goes on in Agricola. So, if you can match the right cards together, you can kind of put together a great strategy. But it also has dice rolling. So you get these nice, big, colorful, chunky dice that show different actions that you can take. And when you roll the dice, once again, same thing like the drafting. You'll each get to pick a die to use that action for that round. So that's a lot of fun as well. And you have, you'll be collecting these tokens that you can trade for resources or you can use to build your spell cards that's in your deck. So... A, a nice lot of complexity. It's pretty heavy. Starts off a little bit light, but can really kind of build up. Um, Seasons is a great game, and definitely something to check out with some more of your hardcore gamers. All right, so those are five bigger, heavier, longer, and much more intensive 
games for people in your life that you know love board games. No questions asked. All right, so one last category. This is kind of a bonus category. These are just long games. Simply put, if you know somebody who would prefer to sit in on a Saturday night and play for eight hours of whatever your favorite game is, these are the games to get for them. Um, I'm not going to run through all the rules. We're not going to run through all the components because that would take a whole other podcast. But these are some of our favorites recently and some that we've seen a lot of buzz popping up around. Rune Wars, of course, the top of the list. Oh, yeah. Rune Wars is the ultimate fantasy battle game where you're going to be going through seasons, moving units, constructing additional siege options, going for big choices, big score, trying to dominate resources. This game is super fun. I have a blast every time we play it. I have yet to actually win one, and I don't care, man. That game is so good with that modular board, just seeing the army sweeping across, and the fate deck. If you're tired of always losing to battles because of bad dice rolls, perfect example, rolling 10 dice against Anthony in Summoner Wars, not getting a single hit, that was terrible. (laughs) The fate deck helps you know that at some point those guys are going to strike. Yeah, and that's about, I think, five to six hours. First time you play, maybe you're looking at eight. Yeah, I mean, the box recommends, like, they say it's like around three or four. I think if you are all really good at the game, really strategic, really set, you could be at that time. But with us, you know, we we kind of go that, no, I need this. I have to figure this out. I need to know what's best. So it takes a little longer with us, but we have a blast every time we do it. Absolutely. And this game is epic. Oh, yeah. It really has everything. It has great miniatures, has great cards, great graphic design, great artwork. And when you sit down and play and you lay out that board, you know you're in for an adventure. And even when we had it laying on the table for quite some time, it's just like you just go back and you just kind of wonder at what you can do next and how you can recruit the characters, what the cards are going to be. The heroes go on their own quest. So once again, it's one of these games that has so many little games inside of it, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, if you know somebody who likes a fantasy game uh, for a thinker who wants to fight and has eight hours to spare, it's Rune Wars. (laughs) Yeah, and it, it, it has a little bit of everything, but not too much of anything. Like, when you look at the game, you're like, oh, that's got to be a risk game. It's not. Yeah. If you go in this game and you're thinking risk and thinking about conquering everything, you're going to lose. Because there's so many other elements to it, and you're obviously picking up the Dragon Rooms, which are such a big part of the game. It's a lot of fun, and it plays best with those four players. Now, I have to disagree with you guys, because I would, instead of... Whoa, wait, let me finish. <laughs> see, see, you, you're talking about picking up dragon dragon runes and fighting each other. Well, I would rather prefer to be a Cylon. That's my goal in life. That's my Christmas wish. I want to be a Cylon for Christmas. And Battlestar Galactica lets me do that. If you're a fan of the hit TV show Battlestar Galactica, this would be the game for you. We play with our really good friend, Nick. He's actually introduced us to the game. Dan has got me into this to, to the series. I haven't finished it yet, no spoilers. But uh, from what I've played, it's actually really fun. To me, it was like almost like a, a resistance type of game. Everyone starts out as humans, or so what you're told. But you get the secret cards that'll tell you if you're a human or if you're a Cylon. So basically, as in the series, you're trying to find Earth. You'll come along obstacles where you can lose morale, lose food, and even lose population. And I like the fact that 
if you're a Cylon, you can announce it and immediately start attacking the humans. Yeah, so I mean, for a team game that quickly dissolves into a one half of the table against a few of the others, this is top pick. And one of the best things is, let's just say somehow you play a game of Battlestar and it only takes about two hours or so, pick up those expansions. That'll tack on a couple more hours. Yeah. As, as we learned during Extra Life, this is easily also a six-hour game. Yeah, and if you get all the expansions, you might want to consider one of those like huge Rubbermaid totes to carry around everything, because there is more and more pieces with each and every set. And especially, obviously this game plays as a great trader mechanic, but it's also a great co-op game, because even if the Cylons playing a part or not playing a part, trying to beat the game is really rough. So it definitely offers you a challenge that way, even if the Cylon is not really having a good time there you know, messing with your plans. All right, so those are pretty much the two big, long games we've played this year. There are others that are really hot. Uh, Merchant of Venus has been really popular this year. Um, Caverna is going to be hitting the stores any day now, and that's the newest uh, kind of mega Euro from Uli Rosenberg, kind of the sequel to Agricola. Yeah, definitely a worker placement game to fall in love with. Yeah, it's actually supposed to be longer than Agricola, and it plays more players. I can't wait for that game. That looks awesome, and... Oh, it's, it just needs to come out. I just want to play it. Cave misery now. I know. Yeah. Cave misery. It seems more appropriate. <laughs> Be unhappy in your dank, dark cave. <laughs> so, And there are plenty of, of course, old school games that kind of fit that mold, too. Um, and one other thing, too, is, you know, for any of your friends that play RPGs, you know, if they play D&D or Pathfinder, those are classics. They're staple games. But there's a lot of other RPGs out there. You might want to consider picking up a little something different from them. You might want to try perhaps the White Wolf World with Vampire and a few of their other games. There's now um, RPGs based off of uh, Game of Thrones, which if you have a friend that just, again, recently got into that show, you can always be like, hey, you know, I figured you might want to actually play as a Stark instead of just watching them. They have ones based on the Dragon Age video games, which is an awesome series on the consoles and computer. So again, it gives you a chance to have a fancy element, break away from the classic D&D style game. And one of my favorites as of late, the one that we got not only as donations for Extra Life, but we got the pleasure of playing, Icons, the superhero RPG. That game is super fun, very simple system. I mean, it's kind of cool if you can get a few of your friends together around the holidays, everyone makes a character really quick. You have fun doing adventures together. Kind of gives you like a little of that old school feel, you know, that you had back when you uh, would get out of class and run home to roll up your new character, your new dwarven cleric, that elven paladin you were trying to make for the last couple months. Sometimes, like you know, a little new RPG breathes a lot of fun back into that, like that old school feel. Yeah, absolutely. So if you know somebody who loves role playing game, it's a great gift. Yeah, and the best docking stuff in the world: set of polyhedral dice. All right, so that's our top list, you know, as of. Black Friday 2013, but of course there are a lot of games still to come. Uh, Essen was just a month ago, uh, Board Game Geekcom was just last week, and there are literally dozens of games that are going to be hitting the shelves in the next month or so before the holiday. So stay tuned because every week we're going to have a new podcast, we're going to talk about new games, we're going to tell you what's hitting the shelves, what's out, what we want that is just now available. And uh, hopefully give you a little more advice and some tips on some great new games that you can pick up. Yeah, don't forget that many of the games that we talked about on this podcast have already had extensive reviews on previous podcasts. So be sure to download those podcasts and check out those extended reviews before you pick up the games. Yeah, definitely. If you are interested in anything we talked about in this podcast, go to BoardGamersAnonymous.com. There's going to be a lengthy post there. And 
for each of the games we talked about, I'm going to have links so you can see what they cost, where you can get them. And if we have a review up, I'll point you to the episode so you can listen to the review and learn more about how the game plays and what we think about it more in depth. So if you want to shoot us a line and let us know some of your top holiday picks, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Oh, what would that be, Dan? Well, I'm glad you asked, Kim. That's at BGA Podcast. And you can also look for us on Facebook. What's that? I'm also glad you asked that one, Kim. That is Facebook.com slash BoardGamersAnonymous. All right. So that is everything for this week. I hope you have a happy holiday. This is Anthony. This is Kim. This is Dan. And this is Chris. And until next time, we'll save you a seat at the table. <laughs>